0: community prayer. Amen. That's what this is. And um, if you're a part of this family, you should have got an a email last week because um, a lot of us, actually, I wasn't here last week in large gathering. Um, several of the key leaders weren't here. But we sent out an email about the uh, mass shootings. That as the people of God, We can't let something like that happen. And when we gather, not say something. But even more than that, right here in our neighborhood, right here in Richmond, in one day, seven people got shot. A couple of weeks ago, three or four people got killed in a week. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to act like we believe God hears our prayer. So I'm going to pray a fervent prayer, prayer. If you don't like loud, put your fingers in your ear. When I finish the prayer, you get an opportunity to do something really practical, which is say, in the name of Jesus, I agree. So, Father God, we come before you right now. We acknowledge, God, the spirit of murder and death, how it has impacted, how it is impacting our nation, and how it's impacting our city and our actual specific neighborhood. And we declare that the power of the name and the blood of Jesus is greater than the spirit of murder. We recognize, mighty God, that as we pray, we press back the forces of darkness. We press back the lies of the enemy. We pray right now, mighty God, that each of us would get a revelation that we can be a part of the solution by our prayers. So, Father, on this day in this house, we say as a family, East End Fellowship says no to the spirit of murder and the spirit of death. And we say the spirit of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is greater in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, say, I agree in Jesus' name. Now, here's the next thing. Tomorrow you're going to go somewhere. Be work. Somebody talk. Oh, Did you all these murders? What you gonna say to him? Okay. I'm, oh, 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 we gotta do it again. I mean, no, 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 no. I'm not playing. See, if, the, see if, all we, if, if we did that prayer so in here we can feel like we did something. No. You're going to get confronted out there. There are people who are hopeless. When they speak their hopelessness, you look, you, well, you, they might think I'm crazy. They already think you're crazy. So you might as well move with the Spirit of God. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. If you read your Bible, you know, I'm just quoting scripture. This ain't Don talking. It's what the Bible says. We got to stop going to church. We got to be. We got to take this to the streets. I mean, dude, a guy got killed right 10 steps from the police precinct. That's bold, man. That's not normal. That's not human. What's happening with the mass shootings? If you think that's not normal. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power and spiritual wickedness. I just looked at Chan and I saw something else. Faith Walker, who works at the front porch cafe, somebody stole her car and set it on fire. That's not normal. But you expect the police to figure that out? You, you, you expect some program going to change somebody's heart to not act like that. But we know the one. Come on, come on, look at somebody. Say, we know the one who can. We know the one who can. All right. Pastor Don is back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back.
1: Father, we lift up all these prayers to you with a heart of faith, believing that you are and that you are a rewarder of those that diligently seek you. God, I pray that we would diligently seek your kingdom and your righteousness. And so now, Lord, I, I acknowledge your presence here in this room, your presence amongst your people. God, I pray that our hearts would be ready to receive your word. God, I pray that you would soften every hardened heart in this room, including mine. God, I pray that we would respond to your word with obedience and joy, and that we would not run and hide from your truth, but that we would rejoice in it. God, I pray that we would know you better as a result of our time here. Spirit of God, I pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts, that you would enlighten our understanding. God, help us to see with spiritual eyes. God, I pray that your people, your sons and daughters would be able to hear you truly so that we can love you better. Submit this time to you. You You are enthroned forever. Endeavor, endeavor, endeavor. The kingdom is yours. The power is yours. The glory is yours. We praise you. In Christ's name, amen. All right, y'all. So today, this Sunday, we are continuing our sermon series on the book of Proverbs. It is called Proverbial, a sermon series. Uh, Last week, Doug talked about pride and humility. This week, I'm going to be talking about friendship. And uh, it's funny, Doug last week was like, Oh, yeah. I think Aaron gave me pride and humility because I struggle with that. (laughs) And I wasn't like, wasn't necessarily true. But it does seem interesting how like the Lord will be preaching us in these sermons before we deliver them. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like the Lord has been working me in the area of friendship lately. So uh, it's preached me first. So if I burst into tears while delivering it, just give me some grace. That was a joke. I'm not going to really burst into tears. I want us to remember, though, that the book of Proverbs is wisdom literature. It's not like other books in the Bible in that it's not like a specific letter to a specific church that one author author wrote for a specific purpose. Nor is it a detailed history of the people of God, but rather it's a conglomeration. It's just a bunch of wise sayings, a bunch of wisdom and adages that have proven themselves to be true overall. And one thing that is true is that other cultures, other nations, other religions have Proverbs that are really similar to the ones that we find here in our Bible, in our word. So we we might say to ourselves when we hear that, well, then what authority does the book of Proverbs hold in my life? Why should I obey what these words say over what any other religion teaches, over what any other culture teaches? And that's true. That's an important question to ask. It's an important question to ask, what gets the right to speak to my present and therefore my future? And not every wise word should have the power to shape our lives or our future. Any wisdom that exists that points away from the word of God and the truth of God should not be trusted. And the reasons that the words of the book of Proverbs have value is because they point us to God. Throughout the book, it's asserted that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of any wisdom that's worth having. Anything outside of that is shifting sand. Any wisdom outside of that which points us to God is deception. It's counterfeit. And that's a bold thing to say. You might be like, girl, I mean, what if somebody's telling me how to fix a car? That can't be deception. No, listen, what I'm saying is that the wisdom of God is so amazing. It's so transcendent that any other wisdom that dare smacks against it is counterfeit. You cannot trust it. If you build your life on it, you're building your life on sinking sand. And if you don't believe me, just think back to the Garden of Eve. I mean, sorry, the Garden of Eden, not the Garden of Eve. Eve was there. The serpent, the deceiver, wasn't telling her foolish stuff that she could easily dismiss. No, he was very cunning and very deceptive. He uh, presented her with arguments that made sense to her. It was clever to her. He made it. He made disobedience to the Lord sound like it was the most logical thing to do. But one thing I'll say again. Is it any wisdom that doesn't point you towards obedience, any wisdom that points you away to the knowledge of the kingdom of God is carnal and counterfeit. You will know this is true if you are convinced that the wisdom of God trumps the wisdom of any other being. And this is why we're doing this sermon series, y'all, so that we know that the wisdom of God is more profound than any other wisdom that exists because we will hear convincing arguments. There will be other wisdoms, other ideologies that sound convincing to us. But one thing we must be sure of is that our God is the only God. Only our God is wise. Only our God is true. Only our God is holy. Only our God is righteous. And what he says can be trusted. So we need to stand on that. Additionally, the wisdom found in the book of Proverbs fits into the big story of God. It fits into the meta-narrative of God. And the big story of God is that God is redeeming and reconciling all things to himself. Everything that was broken, he's fixing it. Everything that was lost, he's recovering. Everything that was stolen, he's restoring it. That's the big picture. And in the culmination of God's big story, right here at the climax, we see God coming in the person of Jesus, the great reconciler, the great redeemer, the great restorer, and every bit of wisdom that's taught in the book of Proverbs, Jesus is the perfect example of. Last week, Doug preached on pride and humility. We talked about that. Jesus perfectly displayed what it meant to walk in full obedience to the Father, but also to know who he was and what his job was. He didn't think of himself as any less than he ought to think. He knew exactly who he was and walked in power and authority, but he was also a servant of men and of women. A couple weeks ago, Rob preached about words in the tongue. Jesus always knew what to say and when to say it. His words were life-giving. They were healing. They were challenging. They were convicting. And so the same with today's message on friendship. Jesus is the perfect example of a friend. Jesus is faithful, consistent, dependable, empowering, championing. Jesus gives intimacy. Uh, Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus calls his friends friends to be the highest version of themselves. But I want us to remember this. The theme of Proverbs overall, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is what? The fear of the Lord is What? What's the beginning of wisdom? Hallelujah. Okay. So one thing I want to start with, I'm going to make a big, a big statement. We're going to be talking about friendship. True friendship is more like a covenant and less like a convenience. True friendship is more like a covenant and less like a convenience. And y'all, if you think I'm saying a lot, I know I'm saying a whole lot here. Friendship is so unlike convenience. I mean, friendship, true friendship is actually pretty inconvenient. It takes sacrifice, it takes patience, and it takes conflict if it's going to work. You might be saying, I thought friendship took kindness and love and gentleness and fun. Not the stuff that you was talking about earlier. But what I want to say is, listen, for some of us, kindness and gentleness and fun come easily. For those of us for whom it does not come fun, it's going to take some patience, <laughs> it's going to take some conflict, and it's going to take some sacrifice for us to get to that point. There's going to be a long road ahead of us for those who are involved in true friendship. So is friendship really that big of a deal? Why have a whole sermon on friendship? Is it really that important? In Proverbs chapter, I have a slide, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. Some of us have had experiences where we felt like our friends did not, could not, would not, tried not to, couldn't help but love us at all times. Proverbs 18.24 says, a man of many companions may come to ruin. but There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And true friendship is not a convenience that makes my life easier. True friendship is a relationship that makes me more like Jesus. True friendship is not a convenience. It's not just a convenience that makes my life easier. It's a relationship that makes me more like Jesus. So I would love for us, just for a moment, if we would think about covenants, for example. Okay, so when we're talking about covenants at church in 2019, what's the relationship we most often think of? Marriage, right? Because marriage is definitely a covenant. It's in the book, absolutely. But I like to submit that a friendship rooted and grounded in the fear of the Lord will require faithfulness, constancy, and sacrificial love. And that sounds like a covenant to me. A covenant is a strong, solemn agreement that exists between two parties. A covenant is a chosen relationship in which two parties make binding promises to another. That sounds like a lot when we're talking about a friend. It kind of sounds like a lot when we're talking about marriage, but when we're just talking about a friend a binding promise that binds us to one, one another that, I mean, why would I make that kind of deal with somebody I'm not even going to be sharing a bed with? And listen, I get it. I understand, but let's look at some scriptural examples of the covenants that God has made. In Genesis chapter 17, God makes a covenant with Abraham. God promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations, that he, and he makes an everlasting promise that God would be their God and that Abraham's seed would be the people of God forever and ever and ever. Abraham's belief and faithfulness in that truth gave, earned Abraham the name friend of God. We can see that in Isaiah chapter 41. And it was said of Moses, the recipient of the Mosaic covenant in the book of Edis, in Exodus. It says that the Lord would speak to him face to face as one would with a friend. And of course, Jesus being the fulfillment of every covenant that was ever made and the inaugurator of the new covenant of grace that brings us free, freedom, calls his followers friends and not servants because everything he learned from the father he made known to them. So I'm just suggesting that when we're thinking about calling somebody our friend, when we're in search of true spiritual friendship, we should take it more like, man, I'm making a promise to this person. I'm actually aligning myself with this person. When people see the two of us, they actually see one because we agree. We're of the same mindset. Now, I'm not saying go up to your best friend tonight and cut yourself open and make a blood oath and say, I will be your friend until we die. That's never, nope, that's not what I'm saying. Don't do that. But I do want us to shift our mindset away from friendship uh, being a thing that makes my life easier or more fun to being a thing that makes me more like Jesus. So if on this side we have convenience, if this wall is, if if we're thinking about a spectrum, this wall is convenience. That wall right there is covenant. True friendship is here. True friendship that makes you, if it has the power to make you more like Jesus, we're going to have have to stay. We're going to have to stick it out. We're going to have to sacrifice. We're going to have to be patient, and we're going to have to love. So what makes a true friend? I have some ideas from the word of God. One, a true friend is present. Proverbs 19 and 4 says, wealth makes many friends. Poverty drives them all away. Proverbs 19 and 6 says, everyone is the friend of a person who gives gifts. Proverbs 25, 19 says, putting confidence in an unreliable person in times of trouble is like chewing with a broken tooth or walking on a lame foot. Isn't that terrible? Everybody chewed on a broken tooth. That's terrible. I got a broken tooth right now. It's terrible, y'all. It's the worst. This is speaking to the reality that Reality that everybody wants somebody. Everybody loves the person that can do something for them. Everybody loves the person that's uh, passing out gifts, that's passing out cash. And this isn't just true of money. Some of us have an abundance of time. Some of us love giving gifts. Some of us love uh, serving other people. And as long as we're giving that out, people will hang around us, people will be around us, people will stick by our side. As long as you have abundance, people are going to be willing to eat of the fruit of that. But what about when, you're, when the abundance runs out? What about when your money dries up? What about when you ain't got no more good vibes to give? I used to be the life of the party, but now I'm pretty depressed. What now? What then? People be like, you changed. You used to, uh-uh, you're different now. Who's around when you've run out of favors to give out? What happens when the car you was giving out rides with gives out on you? What happens when your laughter turns to tears? Proverbs 17, 17 says a true friend loves at all times, not just when it's convenient, not just when it benefits them, but a true friend loves you when you are hard to love. A true friend stays put when you're so hurt and angry that all you want to do is shut out the world. A true friend cries with you. A true friend suffers with you. So often we tire, we bore of our friends when something new and shiny comes along, something we perceive as easier or exciting. And we've all been there. When I was growing up, I used to have a new best friend every year. And it wasn't intentional. I'm my only child, right? And my parents are my parents, you know what I'm saying? Uh, So I always just love my friends, always, always. And I just, when I was in school, fourth grade, I had a best friend. Fifth grade, I had a best friend. Sixth grade, they just never repeated. I got a new friend all the time. And when it became difficult to stick it out with, you know, fourth grade's best friend, I was just like, you know, this other person is way more interesting. This way, the other person is way more exciting. And then for some of us, you know, like when you get a new bae, huh, and it's exciting. And um, you, all you want to do is spend time with your bae. All you want to do is hold hands and look in each other's eyes and feel warm inside. And your friend, you look up and it's 10 months later and the only friend you got is Bay, And you're like, ugh. It's all, it happens to all of us. It happens to all of us. But a true friend, a true friend sticks it out even when it kind of feels like that loving feeling is gone. If that person's getting on your last nerve, a true friend will say, you're getting on my nerves but I'm going to stick right here with you. That's true friendship. True friends will stick around especially, even and especially when it costs them something. Number two, a true friend tells you the truth. Proverbs 27 and 6. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than, than many kisses from an enemy. Proverbs 27 and 9, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. A true friend will tell you the truth. A true friend will tell you the truth about you. A true friend will tell you the truth about your present and about your future. This is why it's important for true friendships to be built on the fear of the Lord. Because in order for a friend to be able to tell you the truth about your future, they have to have some sort of spiritual wisdom and discernment. They have to be able to see with to some level the you that God desires for you to be. And they've got to be able to point you in that direction. Because the version of you and the version of me that exists right now is not the final version. We're becoming increasingly more like Jesus as days go by. And we need our friends. We need our brothers and sisters to help us out when we have blind spots because we've all got them. We've all got them. But listen, when we see these wor- uh, words, um, Proverbs 27 and 6, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy, that don't mean abuse your friend. I see stuff like this. I am... um Let's see, how can I put this? My mother, one day in um, exasperation, (laughs) was just like, Girl, you love to set people straight. And it's true, I do love to set people straight. But this doesn't mean this scripture, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. I see this and I'm like, I'm vindicated. It's my right to tell people about themselves. No, stop, you're in the flesh. That's not your right. What this is saying, though, is that you have to be willing to have the hard conversations with people. But when you see uh, in verse 6 where it says that a sincere friend might give you wounds, in three verses down it says the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. Both of those have got to live together. You've got to be able to be encouraging. You've got to be able to point people in the direction of Jesus, tell them the truth, but also tell them the good things that you see in them. Um, true friendship doesn't withhold encouragement or praise. True friends see your gifts, your contributions, your obediences. They see how uh, your actions align with the future version of yourself. They see how your actions align with the you that's more and more like Jesus. And they affirm those things in you. True friends edify, they build up, they pour their love out because they want to see God's best be realized in your life. That's a true friend. They do not withhold pointing out the positive in you. They don't keep that from you. True friends will also call you out. If we're honest with ourselves, we all need some calling out. There's not a person in here that's made it. There's not a person in here that don't sometimes need some calling out from time to time. A preacher has said that a friend who refuses to tell hard truths is like a doctor saying he loves his patient too much to tell him that he's sick. He says, it's not a loving doctor, that's a sick doctor. Or a more lighthearted example. It's like a movie usher letting you buy a wrong, the wrong ticket to the movie you came to see and not saying nothing to you. This actually happened to me. This is a side note. I went to go see um, Saul randomly I, there was like saw 6 i guess at that time so we went to the regal cinemas and we were talking me and my friend we talking about it we we're like oh yeah it's a new saw then we get in it and the person let us they were listening eyes in our mouths listening to us and then when we get the ticket it was the original saw that they were just replaying and i said that person was not my friend they did not look out so listen be honest with your friends tell them the hard truths you're going to buy a ticket to the wrong movie let them know So one, a true friend is present. A true friend tells you the truth. And a true friend knows and loves the real you. Proverbs 25 and 20 says, singing cheerful songs to a person with a heavy heart is like taking someone's colt in cold weather or pouring vinegar in a wound. Do you know your friends? When their heart is heavy, is your heart heavy? Are you able to mourn with your friends? Do you, can you even tell? Or are we so self-absorbed with what's going on in our own lives that we can't even discern what's going on in the life of our neighbor, of our friend? Proverbs 17, 17, again, a friend loves at all times. Proverbs 27, 14 says, this one is funny. If a man loudly blesses his neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. they just self-awareness, y'all, discernment. Know that your friend is not a morning person, and they don't want to be greeted loudly. It's lighthearted, but it's true. A true friend knows you. A true friend knows if you're hurting. They know when you're happy. They hurt with you. They rejoice with you. Here's one, Proverbs 17 and 9. It says, love prospers when a fault is forgiven. But dwelling on it separates close friends. I'll say that one more time. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. But dwelling on it separates close friends. Another version of the Bible says something like, he who covers an offense pursues love. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. But dwelling on it separates close friends. True friends... In a true friendship, you won't be throwing people's junk back in their face. You won't be keeping a record of wrong. This can go a couple different ways. If you and a friend have a conflict, which you will if you're going to have a a true friendship. If you you and your friend have a conflict and, you know, you guys talk about it and you decide it's squashed, it's resolved. don't Don't keep rehearsing it in your head. Don't keep going back over. And this is actually something that um, my friend Makita does really well, or she at least has an awareness of it. She'll, um, the other day we were talking, and she just was talking about something that had gone on, and she said, Oh, shoot. I shouldn't have reminded myself about that because now I'm mad all over again. And she just has that awareness. But how many of us will just go over how we've been wronged and get stirred up all over again, have an attitude all over again. And then we walk past the person in church. We can't even speak. We can't even make eye contact because we're just like, I knew you wasn't nothing but old lying dog. You act like this all the time. That's just in our hearts. It's just the Holy Spirit is making us holy. This is why we're hearing this word because we all do it. Forgiveness is a hallmark of true friendship. A true friend sees you for who you are and who you will be and freely offers forgiveness whenever you miss an opportunity to live into God's best version of you. A true friend sees you for who you are and for who you will be and freely offers forgiveness whenever you miss an opportunity to live into God's best version of you. And because a true friend loves at all times, there's no need to put on a mask. True friends love you as you are. And a true friend also reveals themselves through and through. A true friend friend allows themselves to be vulnerable before you. They give you access to their lives. And that kind of intimacy is often only reserved for romantic relationships, but it shouldn't be that way. We should have these types of relationships with our friends as well. So, one, so we're not looking for a romantic partner to be all and everything that we could ever ask or hope or dream, because that could never happen anyway. But also so we can discover the depth and love and beauty that God has ordained for true spiritual friendships. It's funny, in C.S. Lewis, I really like C.S. Lewis, uh, in The Four Loves, he describes the difference between erotic love, which is like a physical sexual love, And friendship, love, this way. He says, Eros will have naked bodies. Friendship, naked personalities. And it's just such a joy to be able to be yourself, warts and all with another person. And that's just it. They accept you. They love you. They deal with you. They walk with you. A true friend knows when you're struggling. They know when your mood changes because there's proximity and intimacy there. So you may be listening thinking, how am I supposed to do this? Because I know as I'm typing the words of this sermon, I just am like, nope, that's not me. Nope, that's not me. Nope, that's not me. I failed at this. I failed at that. Some of you might be thinking, I have no friends like that. There's not a single person in my life that's shown me the type of love like that. I might got 100,000 followers on Instagram, but nobody loves me like that. Or even, even if you have friends, even the best of friendships will lack something. Or you might be considering your own presence in a friendship, and your own presence in a relationship, and you're thinking, I just, how can I measure up? I can't measure up. How can I be a friend like that? Don't be overwhelmed because here are the good news. Jesus is the true friend. This true friend I've been talking about, it's Jesus. Jesus knows and loves the real you. Jesus tells us the truth. And Jesus is always present with us. There was friendship with God in the garden before the fall. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He made male and he made female in his image. And they walked in communion together. But Adam and Eve, they disobeyed and they rejected the friendship of God. They made decision after decision that would cause them to hide themselves from God, that would cause them to walk away from God. But did God say, you know what? Forget y'all. I'm going to reject you too. No. He came in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ and extended his divine friendship to each one of us. He came among us to pursue us as one of us. So, yes, Jesus knows and loves the real you. Jesus knows every single one of our hangups every single one of our fears, every single one of our insufficiencies. Jesus knows all of our joys. Jesus knows our heartaches and loved us so much that he died for all of it. He knows every burden and shares them with us. And yes, Jesus tells us the truth. Jesus tells us how deeply we are loved. Jesus invites us into the family of God. But Jesus says, hold up, though, you're lost. Hold up, though, you're a sinner and you need to repent. But he invites us into the family of God. Jesus is ever-present. In the face of betrayal and rejection by his closest friends, he laid down his life. Jesus was, is, and always will be faithful and consistent. And not only did the 12 uh, reject and betray him, But how often do we reject and betray Jesus? And Jesus is with us and promises never to leave or forsake us. That is true friendship. And Because Jesus is the truest friend that there is. And because Jesus just is who Jesus is, he releases us to be true friends. He frees us to be true friends. Because of Jesus' friendship, we are empowered by his spirit to be friends that stay, to be friends that are honest, to be friends that love despite the cost. So I'm going to invite the band back up. If you're in here now and you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling forsaken, if you're feeling misunderstood, if you're feeling like you don't have a friend that would fight for you, You don't have a friend that sees you. You don't have a friend that gets you. If you're feeling rejected, Jesus has been there. Jesus has been there and has overcome all of it so that he could extend his friendship to you, receive his love and his friendship. It's consistent and it will always fight for you. If you're here and you're feeling like you've been selfish, like you've been less than a true friend, there's good news for you too. Jesus made provision for that. We can't do any good thing outside of the power of God. Rest in his power. And Jesus, let me tell you something, will empower you to depths of humility you've never known. Humility to ask forgiveness. Humility to seek out reconciliation. The power of Jesus does that. And if you're here and you don't know the Lord, please hear these words. Make Jesus your friend. This is the time. It's now you're here at this moment because God brought you here. You're here. You're at this seat in this church among these people that you may know or not know, like or not like, because Jesus brought you here. And we're making an invitation. Would you come and join the family of God? There's room for you here. There's freedom for you here. Jesus sees, he knows, he loves you, is pursuing you, always has and always will. Jesus is extending his hand in friendship and relationship. The worship team is going to sing a couple of songs in response. I'd invite you to respond to the spirit of God. We're going to have some folks praying. They'll be like lined up around the walls. But you can also come here and kneel. Make this stage an altar before the Lord. And acknowledge your need for the Lord. Your need for the Lord's friendship. Your need for the Lord's intimacy. He freely gives it. He freely provides it. Would you take a moment and just...
0: Be present with your need for the Lord.
1: Father, we thank you for the friendship that you offer us. Father, thank you for the intimacy that comes with knowing you. God, I pray that we would know you more and more each day. That it will be a delight to us. To know you, that it will be a joy to us to pursue friendship with you. God, I pray that you would make us more and more like Jesus so that we can love each other the way Jesus, sacrificially, and that we wouldn't just see our friends as accessories to our lives, but as deep relationships that make us more like Jesus. Lord, I pray. That you would soften every heart that's hardened against another person. Lord, I pray that the power of your spirit would uproot any roots of bitterness in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would humble ourselves in your presence and seek to be reconciled to each other. We love you, Lord. We praise you. Amen.
0: We'll over here to Ann Evan Ross Lord complete the work that you started in this message thank you for Aaron submitting herself to you now God May we get the fullness of what you were saying through her. May a blessing come to her also in Jesus' name. Now, let me me share something with you. I know stuff because I'm the lead pastor. This last week and this week, it's critical that we as a spiritual family lean in to God helping us see the importance of true biblical worship. Because where we're going as a local church is going to require us that part where a friend sticks with us through adversity. I'm sure boy will get this up sometime this week and go back and listen to it. Again, I would encourage you to go back and listen to Pride and Humility. But again, if you're part of this family, I believe the Lord is setting us up to experience something that we can't anticipate. To model to our world how do we stay engaged with one another when we deal with the hard stuff of the brokenness of our world. So, Father, I thank you. Man, I, I I just appreciate the privilege of being a part of this family. We heard the young lady that's headed to Wheaton. A few weeks ago, we heard these seven interns talking about how being here impacted their lives. Young lady today going to Wheaton said the same thing. This, you have graced us with a level of grace. Yet, God, we know we got some stinky stuff, too. And we want to grow. We really want to grow. And being those friends that stick together (laughs) through—wow, we we want to grow in that. We want to be more like you, Jesus. We want to be more like you, Jesus. We want to know you in the fellowship of your sufferings. Sometimes that's what it feels like—suffering when we go through hard stuff with our friends. So we trust you today, God, that you're doing way more than we could ask, think, or imagine with this message today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, Aaron gave us a little. I like you You know. Sometimes you have to say hard stuff to people, but then sometimes you want to encourage. This song is one of those kind of encouraging. So hopefully, you're gonna jam with us as you put the chairs up because we need your help. Praise God. Come on, young people. Let's get some joy up in this place. Hey,
1: hey, hey. As I look back over my life, I can see how your love is guiding me. Even though I've done wrong, you never left me alone. But you forgave me, and you kept on blessing. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It's because of your mercy that we are not consumed. Because thy compassions bear not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faith. Looking back over my life
0: looking back over my life i done had some hard times i can see i'd some troubles. It, but the lord has been good and i thank god for this choir oh no that's not a choir that's just a singing group but they are singing the truth today Hi. lord you've been so faithful i remember my grandma used to say oh god you've been so faithful But y'all clap your hands for them anyway while y'all putting up the chair. Come on, clap your hands for these young people. That's amazing.